Hey there, Cramaholics. It's your host, Kinsey, bringing you a brand new episode this week. On this week of Cramaholics, I will be bringing you another Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women episode. As we know, this is an epidemic that is plaguing Native American women in North America and Canada. On this week's MMIW episode, I will be bringing you the story of Brandy Ventriqua. <laughs> Brandy Ventraqua is from the Kwanlin Dunn First Nation in Canada. On the morning of December 8, 2014, Brandy's body was found deceased in a McIntyre subdivision on a walking trail. Brandy's murder case is actually a lot different than most of the Mercing and Murdered Indigenous Women cases that we have covered. There has actually been an arrest made in Brandy's case, and that arrest actually came pretty quickly. However, her case is like other MMIW stories that we have covered given the fact that there was not tons of information surrounding her case, but it is for different reasons. Brandy was actually only 17 at the time of her murder, and her perpetrator was actually only 15. Given that they were both minors, there was not tons of details released surrounding her death. Nevertheless, it is always important to share their stories, no matter how much detail we have or do not have. According to Brandy's family, she was an extremely magnetic woman. People were just drawn to her. They said that she just had this larger-than-life personality, and she cared for people, and she was always happy and smiling, and she just had the most vivacious, beautiful smile. Everybody wanted to be around her. They stated to the White Horse star that she was only two months shy of her 18th birthday at the time of her murder and only two credits short of earning her high school diploma. They said in school... She was extremely social. She had lots of friends. Brandy was not one to just sit around at home all the time. She was always on the go, always hanging out with her friends, and just wanted to be around happy people to have good times. I went and looked at Brandy's Facebook page, so that way I can just get a feel for who she was. And the first thing I noticed that her family talked about a lot was her smile. She really did just have the most beautiful, magnetic smile I have seen on a girl. She just had this bubbly personality that you could see through her pictures. At the time of Brandy's murder, she was attending Porter Creek Secondary School, where again, she had lots of friends and was very social. One of the friends she has is a 15-year-old boy, and unfortunately, his name has not been released given the fact that he is a minor. This was a boy that she hung out with often and knew very well. On the night of December 7th, 2014, this 15-year-old male reached out to Brandy over Facebook and said, Hey, I'm going to be going to my friend's house tonight. There's going to be drinks. Would you want to come along and hang out? Given that Brandy was extremely social, she was more than happy to go out with this 15-year-old friend of hers to go over to the friend's house and have some drinks. While researching Brandy's case, I was really hoping to be able to find some more witness statements or witness testimony from people who were at this friend's house to give a better idea of what was going on while Brandy and this 15-year-old male were there. However, the only thing I was able to dig up was statements from the 15-year-old boy himself. However, the 15-year-old male friend stated that while him and Brandy were at this mutual friend's house having drinks, the two of them have gotten pretty intoxicated. The male stated that while they were at this house hanging out, they were just laughing and cutting up and having a really good time. He also stated that while they were at this home, he had tried to put the move on Brandy two different times. 
He said that he tried to lean in and kiss her, and she would kind of shove him away, but then give off this little chuckle like she thought it was funny. He stated that Brandy rejected him both times and that she was just not interested and she did not want anything to do with it, so she decided she was going to go ahead and leave this friend's home. Where she was headed, unfortunately, is not known, but the 15-year-old male friend did decide he was going to go ahead and walk with her. Unfortunately, what also is not known is whether Brandy wanted this boy walking with her or not or if she just wanted to go alone. The night of Brandy's murder, it was only 26 degrees, and so I don't know if because they're from Canada they're used to that kind of weather so it was no big deal to walk in that kind of weather but the two of them Brandy and the 15 year old were also pretty intoxicated so I don't know if maybe it was no big deal for them with the weather being cold or if they just didn't care or if Brandy was really hesitant about getting herself out of that situation. Again where Brandy was planning on heading is unknown but the two of them were spotted together near Elijah Smith Elementary School in a town called Granger which was in the complete opposite direction of where Brandy's body was found. When the two of them were seen near the elementary school it was some time after midnight. When the 15 year old male was questioned about the exact times all of these events started taking place he said he was not clear about what time it was but when cell phone records and the pings were checked That showed that all activity from Brandy's phone ended up stopping around 1.45 a.m. in the morning on December 8th. Brandy's body ended up being found the exact same morning on December 8th, just hours after she was murdered. Her body was found on a walking trail in the McIntyre subdivision by a resident. The resident, of course, ended up quickly calling 911 to report that there was a deceased girl. The prosecution stated that there was a very, very large amount of blood at the crime scene. After I went over the parts of the autopsy that were available, it just really struck me because what this girl went through was absolutely horrible and I wish we would know what exactly led up to this because I one I don't like making assumptions and two the violence that was done on her something really had to have set this 15 year old male off when the McIntyre resident first found Brandy he actually found her coat first and her coat was completely covered in blood and there was blood surrounding the area where her jacket was And then there was drag marks through the snow. And inside those drag marks was a serious amount of blood, which led to Brandy's body. According to the prosecution, Brandy's face was extremely bruised. It was really swollen and there was a lot of blood covering Brandy's face. The autopsy had showed that she had blunt force trauma to her face, her neck, and her jaw was broken in several different places. But the autopsy also showed that there was no evidence of a sexual assault. And what really, really kills me here is that after this 15-year-old male beat her so severely, he left her to die. Brandy did not die during that assault. So not only did this monster beat her to the point where her face was unrecognizable, her jaw was broken in several different places, and there was blood everywhere, he left her out in the 20-degree weather unconscious to die alone. The medical examiner assigned to Brandy's case couldn't even determine a true cause of death. So on the autopsy, it said that her death was likely a combination of asphyxiation, intoxication, and exposure to the cold weather that killed her. 
When Brandy never returned home, her mother did what every other mother does. She gets in a panic and she ends up reporting Brandy missing. Thankfully, her body was found the very same day that she was murdered. And it did not take long for the RCMP to be able to go to Brandy's home to say, Listen, we found the body of a young girl. We think this may be your daughter. Brandy's family does positively identify her very quickly, which then in return gives the RCMP the ability to start her investigation very quick. So within just days of Brandy's murder, they were able to track down her whereabouts from that night and they go straight to the 15-year-old male. And while they were there speaking to the male, they actually were able to arrest him on unrelated charges. The RCMP stated that when they arrested him just days after Brandy was found deceased, they said that his right hand was extremely swollen at the time of his arrest. But for unknown reasons, the 15-year-old male was released, but thankfully on December 12, 2014, a search warrant of his home was executed. The RCMP was very successful during that search for the fact that they actually found his hoodie and his shoes with blood stains on them. And after they did a DNA analysis, it turns out that blood actually belonged to Brandy. However, even though they did find the hoodie and the shoes containing Brandy's blood, the 15-year-old male was not arrested until April 28, 2015, but the following day, he was charged with the second-degree murder of Brandy Ventriqua. Although I am extremely thankful that they were able to solve Brandy's murder and somebody was behind bars for her death, it really kills me because this 15-year-old male only ends up getting incarcerated for three years. And her family really felt that this was not justice for Brandy or their family especially for the amount of violence that he ended up inflicting on Brandy. I have to fully agree with Brandy's family for the fact that this really is not justice served. When a 15-year-old can inflict that much violence on a person, I really do believe that requires more of a lengthy sentence. In Canada, however, they do really believe in rehabilitation for juveniles, which I do also agree with. However, when that amount of violence is done, it needs more time. This 15-year-old male did not even end up serving his full three-year sentence. He served right around two years. I came across several news articles that really focused on this male for some reason and about his rehabilitation and how he was stating that he was going to be going to college in British Columbia. Her family was devastated at the fact that he got almost no time and is going to be able to go to college and earn a degree and live this life when their daughter who was somebody who had a very bright future, will never get to be able to have any of that. She'll never get to be able to have a college degree. She'll never be able to start her own family. And they felt it is so unfair that this boy is going to be able to go on and do all of those things. This 15-year-old male is no longer incarcerated, and he's going to be able to go on and do all of the things that Brandy is having to miss out on because of his actions. What kills me also is the fact that nobody knows why he ended up attacking Brandy. He never gave anybody a statement on why this happened. And what really bothers me is the fact that while they were at this friend's house drinking, he tried to make a move on Brandy and she shut him down. What if this 15-year-old male had decided to get angry and attack Brandy for the fact that she kept turning him down? That is a very scary characteristic to have. 
and a very scary person to have among our society. Brandy was such a beautiful young girl with a bright future ahead of her and she deserved so much more than what she was given. If you haven't already, I highly encourage you to join our Crime Hogs podcast discussion group on Facebook or follow us on Instagram where I will have pictures of Brandy posted. Crimeaholics, as always, be aware and take care. Thank you.